I've made a promise to myself. I've kept it. And you repeatedly build that up until you're able to change your identity over time. So that's what we want to see in folks. It was just that everybody else couldn't figure out how I got so much done. And if you get a whole lot done, people think that you're very disciplined. But it was just, oh, okay, I just need a system so that the system pushes me in the direction of success rather than allowing me to wander in the direction of failure. And then you have all these people who are too smart for their own good, who either don't ask for help or ask for help and then ignore the help and they don't get ahead. And they, then they get all upset about the person who they see. It's like, how is that person successful? It's because they did what they were supposed to do. Making the right decision means that you have had discipline. So it's make the right decision for your right life right now and always. Hey guys, and welcome to the I Love Success podcast. I'm super excited to have you here listening, watching, tuning in. If this is the first time you're here, thank you so much for exploring this show. Uh, you'll be in for a ride today because I have an incredible, incredible guest. And I had him on the show episode 81. It's about three years now. I learned a lot from this man. I, I love uh, following his content and his ideas. And he's, at that time, I called him the world's most disciplined man. But I'm excited now because I know he just got married. He has some 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 love. So I want to I want to kind of go into that a little bit too, and 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 talk about life and and creating a beautiful life. What we're all about here. Sounds so, amazing. What episode is this? This is episode two hundred and seventy, I believe. That's amazing. Well, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So welcome, Craig Ballantyne, to the I Love Success podcast. Hey, thank you so much. It's uh, good to be back. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. And, and, and one thing that uh, I really wanted, one thing that happened to me, you probably don't remember this, but we talked a lot about being a good interviewer because you have interviewed so many people. And I, I really tried to do... Uh, a really good show with you the last time. And there was one moment in that show that I've been thinking about for, for three years now. And, and oh my goodness. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I was, you gave an opening to talk about a very sensitive subject, but I never followed up with that question. So if it's okay with you, uh, I'm going to start with that question and see, see where we can go from there. Absolutely. Uh, so I know you mentioned you you were talking about you had Ed Milet on your show when you asked him uh, how his father stopped drinking and oh, I, yeah. know, I know your father uh, was an alcoholic so I just wanted to talk about that because there's a lot of people here listening that have limiting beliefs uh, because something that have happened when they grew up so can you just talk a little bit about that experience and how you were able to to still create a a, a good life for yourself. Yeah, it's funny. I wrote a big, long article about this on the weekend for my coaching clients. And so my father became an alcoholic when I was a young boy. And I don't know why, but, you know, it certainly caused a lot of tension around the house and a lot of embarrassment for our family. And, uh, you know, it definitely ended up killing him in the long run. He had colon cancer, then he had liver, liver cancer, and he died at a young age, you know, 69 years old. Uh, but that didn't stop me, Peter, from actually going and becoming a binge drinker myself, you know, like the classic binge drinker who drinks on the weekend. So yeah. I did that for like 10 years, and that led to my anxiety attacks and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I always thought that I was different than him because I didn't – I never had social drinks. I was – it was either – one night a week of heavy drinking 
or just no drinking at all. Like I, I would never go out with friends and they're going to get a burger and I'm going to get a burger and they're going to get a beer and I'm going to get a beer. I'd never have the beer. I just have something I'd have like a, a Coke or something like that. Cause it's just like, why would I drink a beer? Uh, I only drink to get drunk. So, you know, my, my father passed away too early. It just, it taught me a lot of lessons about what not to do. And, you know, I eventually gave it up and I gave it up through several things. In fact, I, I, you know, for the last 10 years, I would have one drink once a month, you know, so I would have maybe 20, probably 10 to 20 drinks in a year. And I recently quit drinking completely. And it was because it just wasn't worth it. Like if, if you use something like I use this aura ring now and your aura ring, if you use it, if you use any type of sleep data, you'll see that you get very, very poor sleep, even on one alcoholic drink. So imagine five or six doesn't matter if you say, oh, two glasses of wine helps me fall asleep. Well, it gives you very poor sleep, which is probably why you have a very hard time falling asleep in the first place. So I realized, okay, I'm not, I don't want to be um, a drinker. So I decided to remove myself from environments that led me to drinking. Yeah. I decided to remove myself from people who I only spent time with when they were, when, we, when I was drinking. Um, if, it, if there were really good friends who I spent time drinking with, but I didn't want to lose them as friends. I just found other things to do with them, you know, hiking, working out, going to sporting events during the week when I wasn't going to drink, all that sort of stuff. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't lose my friends. Then I got public accountability. I had accountability from my friends. And I said, hey, I really want to cut back and I'm not going to be, uh, I'm never going to get drunk again, which was kind of the first step. Um, for a while I hovered around two to three drinks, but then once in a while, you know, you would have four or five and you'd feel like absolute crap the next day. And I really reminded myself, um, don't, don't beat yourself up about the four or five drinks, but remember how you feel right now. So the next time you, you know, you're tempted to have that second drink, just, you know, stop there. And I think I got into more mindful drinking and, you know, people like taking the edge off one drink will do it. Anything else, anything actually beyond kind of like the first or second sip is a waste. So, you know, I just trained myself to do that. And so the binge drinking lasted about 10 years till late 20s. And then after that, it was very controlled. And then the last 10 years, it was very, very minimal. And then I just decided to totally quit. So anybody who's listening to this, the same things apply to any bad habit. So if you want to quit binge eating, you want to quit binge drinking, you want to quit cigarettes, you want to quit procrastinating. It's simply about making a plan, making a, a commitment, getting social support, getting accountability, checking in with people, um, telling the world that you're going to make these changes. And, and you tell the world by like your Facebook page or Instagram or whatever. And once you tell the world, make that commitment, you don't want to feel like a hypocrite. So you never let them down. And, you know, I know I have some clients and some friends who say, oh, if I drink again, I'm going to I'm going to donate a thousand dollars to this political party or this political party. And I've seen people do that for hitting the snooze button, too. And it works. It's not the best way to do it, but it works. And then the final thing is to change your identity. I went I'm not a drinker. I'm the type of person who can who can be social, have a great time, go out for dinner, sit at a, a four hour dinner and not need alcohol. That's the type of person I am. You know, I'm, I'm good at being social. And so I just changed my identity around that, that, it, you know, if we were going to a big sporting event or we were going to a big party or we're going to a big um, business event, I don't need alcohol to fit in. I don't need alcohol to have a good time. And I don't care what anybody says to me. They're not going to peer pressure me into drinking. So, you know, that's something that takes time to build up, but anybody can do it. And again, it goes with anything 
that you're committed to in life, whether you want to become a vegetarian or you want to go out the opposite and be a paleo eater, you know, you just need to follow those steps and, and you can transform. Thank you for sharing that and for being vulnerable so early into the show here. Uh, I, I'm curious, you, you mentioned, I want to unpack this because I, I, I work with coaching as well. And I know uh, we were talking about if you don't do something, there is a punishment. And you said that's not the best way. Like, hey, if I, if I go drinking, I have to donate money. And I know yeah. that's, that's a big part of coaching. And I know myself, I don't relate to that that much. I want to feel more joy. And I know you said it wasn't the, the best way. So in, in your opinion, what's the best way of kind of sticking to your habits? Well, you've got to use those tricks like the punishment at first to get the momentum. Um, and so again, like, again, what, whether it's cursing, you know, I've quit cursing 10 years ago. Um, I mostly through public accountability and, and I, you know, if I said, I've said it to hundreds of thousands of people, literally told hundreds of thousands of people on my email list, um, in podcasts and videos, I do not swear. And so if I go to an event and I start swearing, people are going to go, you're a liar. You're a liar. And if, if you're a liar about this, you're going to lie to me about everything. So that's why I believe that public accountability and that commitment is so strong. But but the public accountability and the punishment for doing something and the removing of, you know, the junk food from your house if you're a binge eater, the removing of alcohol from your house if you're an alcoholic, the removal of certain things, they're all just chipping away at it. But but they don't get down to the core thing, which is the belief in yourself. Yeah. If if you remove the alcohol from your house and you never go to a, and you try to never go to a bar and you never do this and you don't hang around this pe these people, but all of a sudden one day you end up in one of those situations, you're not going to have discipline and willpower, and you're always going to be I'm the I I am an alcoholic. That's why I can't go near alcohol. If yeah. that's your mindset, you're never going to be fully free. So you have to convince yourself that. Hey, listen, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a binge drinker. I'm not even a social drinker. I'm just a social person. And I can go, I can go to the, the Rose Bowl or, you know, the college football game, or I can go to the World Series, or I can go to the Super Bowl, and I can go, um, you know, to my friend's wedding, and I can go here, there, and everywhere, and I don't need a single drink. That's the type of person I am. Once, that's the ultimate. Once you can get there, Peter, that's when you can do anything. But if you, if you rely on the other, let's call the other things hacks, right? You know, here's my hack. Uh, you know, my hack to stop drinking is that I don't have alcohol in the house. Well, again, you're going to leave your house at some point. You're going to be at, a, at an event at some point and everybody else is going to be drinking. And if your hack is to not be around alcohol, you've lost because your hack has been broken. And if you're inside your, your mental programming is, I like to drink, then you're going to drink. So the end of the day, the most important thing is that you change your identity. Now you change your identity through building your self-confidence and your self-confidence is benefits from those hacks. So you, when you, the way to build your self-confidence, you make a promise to yourself and you keep it. It's like people who tell them, you know, if you set your alarm that says for 6am and you hit the snooze button, you're hurting your self-confidence because you can't keep a promise to yourself about what time you get up in the morning. If you can't keep a promise to yourself about getting up in the morning, 
You can't keep any promises to yourself. And if you can't keep a promise to yourself, you'll never have big self-confidence. So it's the same with drinking. Okay, I'm going to go to uh, a football game this weekend, and I'm not going to drink. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to, you know, the good thing is I'm going with people who don't drink. Maybe I'm going with my church group or whatever. So nobody really drinks. And then, you know, we're going to not go to the tailgating. And I'm also going to, maybe I'm going to schedule like a 20 mile run the next day. So I can't be hung over. Great. Now I've got all these things in place. And then you go to the event, you don't drink and you're like, Oh, I can do it. I can do it. Now, you know, I had to do all these other things. I had to have these hacks in place, but I can do it now next time, you know, maybe you go to a Dodgers game and you know what, it's a Friday night. And you're going with somebody who wants to have one or two beers and you're like, I'm not going to have a beer. I'm going to have a soda or I'm going to have something else. And you have a soda and a hot dog. They have a beer and a hot dog. And you come home from the game and you went, wow, I did it again. I can really do this. I can really survive without alcohol. I've made a promise to myself. I've kept it. And you repeatedly build that up until you're able to change your identity over time. So that's what we want to see in folks. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you're speaking my language. Hey, I'm a martial artist, as you know. And one thing, especially when you do Japanese martial arts, it's called Bushido, the way of the warrior. And one of the virtues, virtues uh, a Bushi, a warrior has, is no promises are needed because when it's said, it's like it's already done. And that's something that I... I have embodied that. So sometimes I, with other people, I lose patience because there's so many promises and people break their promises all their time to themselves because of the identity, right? That we're talking about. You haven't changed the identity. But I'm curious uh, about, about you because we, we, we call you the world's most disciplined man, right? Which is awesome. Uh, but it comes with a lot of responsibility too. Do you still wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning or has that kind of routine changed for you? Or like what? what I, are- I, don't, I don't have an alarm. So I used to use an alarm and now it's just, you know, I go to bed around, my, my wife and I go to bed, you know, I think we went to bed around 7.30 last night. You know, now that it gets dark out so early, she likes to go to bed early. I like to go to bed early. I like to get up early. She likes to get up early. So, you know, somebody who goes to bed at 11 o'clock, I got the same number of hours in the day. I sleep the same amount as you. I just do it earlier than you. And so um, it's a natural thing for me. It actually is very beneficial for me. I get a lot done. And a lot of the, you know, when people originally called me the world's most disciplined man, it was because I had set up so many of those hacks in my life. I had set up a hack that I set the alarm for 3.57 a.m., and I made a promise to everyone that I don't hit the snooze button. And I wrote in my book that I get up at 3.57 a.m. And I promised my friend, Bedros Koulian, that I don't hit the snooze button. So I'm never going to hit the snooze button because of those things. Now, I wanted to hit the snooze button some mornings, but because of the, the hacks, you know, the promises and that sort of stuff, I, I wasn't going to. And then it just got to the point where it became a habit. So I made that a habit. Now I don't need the alarm. Now I get up anywhere from... 3.30 to quarter after four, as long as I'm in that range, I'm fine with it. And then I made hacks like to, for, the, for the number one thing that I want to do first thing in the morning. I built, I built a system. So I, I'm not the world's most disciplined man naturally, but I decided I wanted to be a very effective and productive person. So I built systems that allowed me to go and become very productive. And then when I became very productive, people called me the world's most disciplined man. That's the thing. I did not, um, you know, call myself that. It was just that everybody else couldn't figure out how I got so much done. And if you get a whole lot done, people think that you're very disciplined. But it was just, oh, okay, I just need a system so that 
the system pushes me in the direction of success rather than allowing me to wander in the direction of failure. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you, because I'm, I'm very disciplined myself and sometimes these promises that I make to myself, uh, it, it sometimes hinders me because I've promised to do something and then I have to do it instead of kind of being in the flow. Like it seems like you are now, like you graduated from, you don't have to wake up 357 anymore. It happens naturally and you're more at peace with that. Is that an accurate analysis or can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I sometimes hinder myself by I have to do it and it causes a lot of pain as well. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to. I want things to be set up where I enjoy the system. Um, I want things to be set up where success is almost guaranteed. And when when you're successful, then you're not going to feel bad about the you know the quote unquote sacrifices that you've made. So it's not that painful. So I'm always looking to get the results. I'm looking to get the enjoyment out of it. And if I really really dislike doing something. I need to question why am I trying to do this? And, and, you know, maybe this is not the best use of a, um, of my mental energy and physical energy and my life force. So, you know, there, in that situations, you know, sometimes it's worthwhile taking a huge step back and going, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Is this really the right thing? If, if it's so hard, if there's so much resistance here, then, why is that? And can I really build a system that takes the resistance out or will there be resistance no matter what? Yeah. Okay. And let's talk a little bit about visualization because I yeah. know you visualized, was it about three or four years ago that you wanted to get married and, and yeah. this whole process and you, you teach others, but you somehow you manifested this in your own life. Can you just share that, how that experience, experience has been and just falling in love and, and, and kind of, you know, taking it from the brain to the heart to reality. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't do a lot of visualization. I, I write, vi I write vision statements. I mean, I guess they're the same thing, but it's not like I don't sit there and, and, you know, mentally visualize things. I just write it down and go, this is what I want. Uh, I share that vision with other people. So that does get in their mind so they can visualize it. Um, and then I just move ahead and, when you tell people what you want to achieve, then a lot of those things start to come into your world. So for me, writing down a very clear end outcome in a, in a long term, in three to five years from now, then allows me to backtrack and go, if I want to achieve that, what are the things I need to start doing now? Who do I need to know now, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people have vision boards and, and goals, and they, but they just stop there. They stop with, here's what I want. And then they just go about their regular life with no concrete actions, no actions directed towards that goal. And that's why people end up with so much frustration. So it's, you take that vision and then you start building out a pathway for it. It's kind of like somebody who's an Olympic athlete, right? They have, okay, great. It's 2022. There's a winter Olympics this year. But let's say I want to win the gold medal at the 2026 Winter Olympics. Okay, you know, maybe I'm, I'm young and I'm new and there's no way I'll even be in the top 10 for this 
2022 Olympics is my first one. I'll go get some experience and then I'll sit down and I'll go, okay, so in 2026, I'm going to be the gold medalist at this event. In order for that to happen, it's clear based on my performance at the past Olympics that I need to, you know, I need to get stronger. I need to improve this technical ability. Um, my nutrition needs to change. My sleep habits need to change. I need to go and build plans for this. Um, I'm going to build a 90 day plan to make changes. I'm going to build a one year plan. And then uh, in a year from now, I'm going to, uh, well, in 90 days, I'm going to build another 90-day plan and so on and so forth and make sure I'm moving towards that one-year goal. And then I'm going to be doing those one-year plans every uh, every year to move me ahead and so on and so forth until I achieve my results. So that is the the most important part of the vision thing is actually figuring out how to achieve it. It is. And how, how, how was that experience for you? Like, how did it feel to meet somebody, you know, and falling in love and, and getting married? Like that's, that's a big deal because I remember last time where we talked about, uh, you said legacy is important to you. And, and when it come, came to your business is what the book, it, it was the books at that time. Plus family was, was another thing. And here we are a couple of years later and this family thing has become a reality. Yeah. So, I mean, the same, it, it's still a, a, a goal that requires action. And so if you do enough self-reflection and you figure out, if you figure out how on earth can I move myself towards that goal, you know, like, okay, these are the, these are the re re relationships that have been helpful for me in the past that I've enjoyed in the past. Here's what's worked. Here are the ones that haven't worked. What's common to those? What's common to the ones that have worked? Therefore, I need to go and focus on the commonalities and the ones that have worked. And you can go and you can start putting in place a plan for it. You know, so for, for me, example, it was, I knew that um, most of the time when I get introductions, that works the best. So I went out and sought one and that was the ultimate uh, action that led to the, the success. So you knew what you needed and you, you, you got, you took the courage to go after it as well. Yeah. And, and got accountability and support to go and, and do it and be able to achieve it. Yeah. There's no problem. Awesome. Uh, you make, you make it sound so easy. So what do you want to say to people that have, they're struggling with their goals. Like they have all these dreams, visions, they, they want to do things they they're, they're working towards it, but there's, there's something stopping them from actually, you know, achieving them like in your profession what do you see as the number one or two things that are actually stopping people from getting what they want well most people don't know exactly what to do so they know what they want and they know they're willing to work hard but you know it's kind of like you know to use a very very crude analogy somebody who's in la and wants to go to new york and they go west and they, you know, and they're running or they're cycling or they're, they're an amazing pilot and they're flying their plane perfectly west. Well, that's stupid. You're never going to get to where you want to get to because you don't know how to achieve the goal. You know how to do the things, the tactics, but you don't have the strategy to get there. And, and so you can get somebody who's not actually very good at running, cycling, or flying a plane. Well, maybe not flying a plane, but, uh, or maybe doesn't have a great plane. But as long as they go east, they're going to achieve their goal, their goals because their coach told them, go east, don't go west. The last thing you want to do is go west from L.A. if you want to get to New York. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with people who can't achieve their goals. It's like somebody who 
who wakes up on January 1st and, and wants to lose 30 pounds and they do all the wrong things. You know, they're getting bad advice or they're not getting any advice at all. And they think that they're just going to go and make the plan when all they had to do was go and hire a personal trainer who's helped thousands or even dozens of people lose 30 pounds and they get a shortcut to success. So that's probably the biggest missing link is they don't have the treasure map. They're willing to go to the desert island and wander around with a pickaxe and dig all the holes that they possibly can, but they aren't willing to ask for the treasure map from the pirate beside them who has the treasure map, who would show them exactly where to dig the one hole that they needed in order to have the treasure chest. But for some reason, people just figure, oh, I'm smart enough to do it on my own when they're not. And that's the problem. Yeah, that, that, that I think is a big problem. Another problem that I see and I would like to have your opinion on is a lot of people do, they take the first step to get the treasure map, but then they question it instead of doing the work because it was easier for that person or that would work for another person, but not me. What's your opinion on that? And how can, you, how can we help uh, people that are kind of in that, they question everything kind of state? Well, I mean, honestly, those people, I can go and help people who, who are not as skeptical. There's plenty of people that want help. There's plenty of people that are open to help. And, yeah. and if you're going to sit there and go, well, listen, I've got 3.1 kids. And the example you used, your success story only had 2.73 kids. Yeah. I've got 3.1. I'm totally different. It's not going to work for me. And it's like, fine, because... After I explain to you how it will work for you, then you'll come up with another excuse. You got, you got 1.7 dogs and all the examples I've got, people only had 1.1 dogs. Well, I'm so sorry. Like it, it, it's not worth my energy and effort to go and try and convince that person when I've got all these other people over here waving, you know, choose me, choose me. I'll do anything. I'll just go and help them because they're going to, they're going to be the type of pe person who's going to actually get the results. So I, w I wish them well, but it's, it's not my job to convince a skeptic. I like it. Uh, one thing that we, uh, you write about, and I, I just read a post of yours on Facebook, is success loves speed. Can we just talk yeah. about that? And, and what does that mean, that success loves speed? Yeah, so my mentor, Dan Kennedy, taught me this. And, he's, and you know, he said success loves speed because if you go out and you start taking massive action right now, You'll attract interest, you'll attract attention, you'll attract opportunity. Um, but if you just sit there and you wait and you hesitate and procrastinate, that's obviously not going to attract anything into your life. So if you want to be successful in any area, you need to get that plan as quickly as possible. Because when people see you moving with speed, they're like, hey, what are you doing? You know, can I be involved? Do you need help? Um, you know, when you go around asking for people, like, hey, you know, can you help me with this? Like, yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. Do, do you need any other help here? Can I give you more help? And so moving quickly is very, very important. And I know because every single person I know who is successful doesn't just sit around and procrastinate or twiddle, twiddle their thumbs. They are real, real massive action takers. Now, of course, they do the right thinking and they build the plan and they build the strategy. They don't just go out and, you know, like the example before, they don't just go out unaware and, you know, start sprinting as fast as they can west from L.A. if they want to get to New York. They go out very quickly and ask for the best way to get to New York. And then once they've got a pretty good idea that, yeah, that's the best way to go to New York is to go northeast, then they get moving. And when they get moving, a whole bunch of other good things happen. But if you don't move, nothing good is going to happen. 
Yeah, it's so true. And I think a lot of people get stuck in the planning phase and then like the, and then the person who, who does the work, even if not the smartest or the best, they, they reap the rewards. Right. Um, what are you, I mean, I I always say, actually, actually, Peter, I always like to say that, uh, a lot, I know, I know a lot of dumb millionaires, a lot of people who you would, you would say, wow, that, that guy's a real male bimbo. You know, a lot of some of my friends and, and it's because they, when they're told what to do by their coach, they don't go, oh, well, I, I already knew that, or I know a better way to do it. No, their, their coach tells them, hey, listen, you're going to go and shut this business down and you're going to go and put that time and energy into this business. And you're going to go and talk to this person and you can use this, this, this strategy. And they do exactly what you tell them. It's the same as with, you know, some of the fittest, you know, leanest people in, in the world that step on stage at fitness competitions. If you actually talk to them, they're not, you know, their IQ is not 150. It's just that a coach told them what to do and they did everything that their coach who has helped thousands of people get, you know, 7% body fat. He's got a plan and they went and followed it or she's got a plan and they went and followed it. And you see the same thing in the business world normal person who's willing to work hard, who has an, an okay or good idea, ask somebody for advice who's already been successful. Successful person tells them what to do. They go, okay, I'll do that. They go and do it. And the next thing you know, they're very successful. And then you have all these people who are too smart for their own good, who either don't ask for help or ask for help and then ignore the help and they don't get ahead. And they, then they get all upset about the person who they see. It's like, how is that person successful? It's because they did what they were supposed to do. Mic drop. I mean, that's, yeah. it sounds so simple, yet, yet uh, it's, uh, it seems, seems so hard. How, uh, what are you working on uh, right now, Craig? What's in the pipeline and what are you excited about in your business and in your life? Yeah, so we're uh, Craig proofing my business, which means, you know, minimizing the need for me to be doing, you know, working in the business, um, only spending time working on the business so that, uh, you know, I've got my first kiddo on the way with my wife. And, oh, congrats. and uh, yeah, so when we have our baby in March, we're going to, you know, really want to be able to spend time, um, get my work hours down, you know, just doing the critical things and uh, bringing on great people in the meantime to, you know, have the coaches, have the salespeople, have the marketers that, you know, that, uh, and then empowering those people to make the right decisions based on the core values and the vision of the business. And it's kind of the same thing that works in your life uh, can work in your uh, business as well. And so that's what I'm up to. That's exciting. And uh, yeah. how, how, how are you dealing with that being so disciplined and, and, I don't know if uh, you are like that, but I know sometimes myself. I I, I want it. I want people to do it my way, which is sometimes hard when you work with other people. So how how do you dealing with that, and and how has that experience been so far? Well, well, I mean, I'm not that smart, so I know that most people can do it better than me, and so we just hire smart people, and and it's like I can't do what you do, yeah. uh, and so we just tell them what we want accomplished, and they do it faster and better than me. Oh wow. And that's a great way of seeing it. And I mean, the, the world is amazing and there's so many smart people and that you can actually hire them and they can help grow your business. It's uh, quite remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, two final questions uh, to you. What uh, if somebody wants to, you know, achieve a goal, what's the process for that? Do you write it down? 
and or like how how what's the easiest way to just get started well you know so somebody tells me what they want to do we get a very clear definition of the outcome goal we break it down into the three most important process goals action steps then we break down into the next 28 days exactly what needs to be done every single day and the next thing you know we're we're uh halfway there probably in most cases you know so that that's how we set things up and we're and then we just give them massive accountability and and hold them to it yeah i mean it's all about execution and knowing what to do right sounds very 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 good strategy in the whole thing you know what to do and you just go out and do it absolutely uh, discipline final question what does discipline mean to you and how can it help uh, help someone in their life I would say it's just making the right decision right now uh, for your right life. And so whether that means making the right decision at a meal or making the right decision at what time to go to bed or making the right decision at what time to get out of bed or making the right decision of what to do with the first 90 minutes of your day, making the right decision means that you have had discipline. So it's make the right decision for your right life right now and always. Awesome. Thank you so much, Craig Ballantyne, for your time. If people want to connect with you, work with you, where's the, where can they find you? Uh, send me a, a message on Instagram at realcraigballantyne or email us at craig at craigballantyne.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Thank you, everybody that are still here listening, watching. I'm super excited to share this episode with you. I am happy that I got to ask Craig some of the questions that I really wanted to ask and I, I had to wait three years, but I, I, I worked on this and I'm, I'm working every day to become a better listener and to be able to ask better questions. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And if you guys that are watching this, enjoy the show, please share it with somebody, follow us on YouTube, Instagram, iTunes, everywhere. Please help us share this message because I want to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams. And I need you guys to help me with that. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week.